0: Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey.
1: Our Old Testament reading today is from Psalm 118, verses 1 through 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Verses 19 through 29. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank thee, that thou hast answered me and hast become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech thee, give us success. Blessed be he who enters in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will give thanks to thee. Thou art my God, I will extol thee. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading for today is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find an ass tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion... Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on an ass, and on a colt, the foal of an ass. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the ass and the colt and put their garments on them, and he sat thereon. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
0: we have the opportunity now to go to God in quiet meditation and prayer and as we pray this morning I'll leave a time of silence in between each of the petitions for all of us to pray together so let us go to God in prayer holy God you reveal the truth about your people and the ways of the world In the suffering of your son, he shows his steadfast love to us. So God, show us again the image of humanity that you desire for us. And so that self-emptying may be our way. God, you came to us humbly, riding on a donkey and proclaiming a message of grace and peace. So God, we bring our prayers and petitions to you this morning. We pray that Christians hear and share the word of God as your disciples. God, we pray that the ends of of the earth receive the words of the King of Peace. God, we pray that all leaders of church and of state prefer humble service to empty power. God, we pray that all people live with gratitude for the gifts of nourishment, friendship, family, trust, and hope. And God, we pray for all of those who are close to us, friends and family who are in need of prayers for healing of mind, body, soul, or spirit, or who need you in their time of need. God, we pray for all who mourn today. May they be comforted and may we all hope to greet Jesus once again when he comes again. God, you show us your sons and daughters the way to freedom through the gentle obedience of your Son. So now as we turn to your word, open our hearts and minds to what you are speaking to us today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing to you this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The biblical scholars Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan Write in their book titled The Last Week What the Gospels Really Teach Us About Jesus' Final Days in Jerusalem that two processions entered into Jerusalem on a spring day around the year 30. And they paint a historical picture of what could have happened that day. And they continued by contrasting two processions coming into the city of Jerusalem, one on the east largely composed of peasants following a certain Jewish rabbi named Jesus from Galilee riding on a donkey down the Mount of Olives. And on the other side of the city from the west approaches the Roman governor Pontius Pilate entering the city on a war horse at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. He has come from Caesarea Maritima. for the purpose of maintaining law and order during the potentially tumultuous days following the festival of the Jewish Passover. Jesus' procession proclaimed the kingdom of God, the authors note, while while Pilate's proclaimed the power of empire, thereby embodying the central conflict of that week which led to Jesus' crucifixion. This Roman procession laid out by Borg and Crossan is an imaginary historical reconstruction based on non-biblical sources. But what it does is it really draws our attention to the social and political dimension of what was going on when Jesus enters into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. You see, Jesus was walking into a city made tense by the heightening crowds, as many as 200,000 pilgrims would have been crowding into the holy city, which was used to maybe about 40,000 regular inhabitants. So you can imagine a city packed full of people not particularly happy that the Roman government is there. And this portrait stands perhaps in contrast to what we normally think of on this day. We might wonder why these crowds are gathered, getting excited about Jesus entering the city that will crucify him in less than a week's time. Matthew even attests that when Jesus enters Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, he says in verse 10. Using a strong Greek word there that means shaken or trembled, literally like an earthquake. The word Matthew uses here is the root word for seismic. So you can imagine being in a crowd so big that you can almost feel the vibrations of it. Think of a sporting event perhaps or a concert maybe that you have attended where you can feel the size of that crowd in your bones. And and they answer a question, this crowd. The question that is asked, who is this? And Matthew reports that the crowd's answer was this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And this answer is highlighted by Matthew quoting the prophecy of Zechariah, in which the triumphant king's coming is portrayed as a peaceful monarch, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, who will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. You see, we hear another reference, that Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem, he is coming in as a different kind of king, coming in on a very different kind of procession than Pilate across town. And this prophetic contrast between the donkey and the war horse only serves to heighten the irony of Jesus' nonviolent procession into this city. The welcoming crowd had access only to their cloaks and branches they cut from trees, only what they had on them and the trees around them. And this is what they used to carpet his way as they marked his parade with shouts of Hosanna, the son of David. And Hosanna. Is one of those rare words in the Gospels that is kept untranslated in most English English translations. And the word Hosanna here is connected with Jesus' procession into Jerusalem. The word literally means save us, I pray, or help us, I pray. We heard those same words from our psalm reading just a moment ago a cry that has become the exclamation of Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Jesus, save us, help us. And this word would have been very familiar to the Jewish people as a part of their liturgy, used in the worship which was accompanying the waving of branches at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And their cry for help were going out to this humble Jesus riding on a donkey, not the mighty war horse of Pilate. A good reminder for us today on what powers to trust when, we, when we, we seek to solve the problems of our world. The composer, Dolores Duffner, has written a hymn that has become widely sung at the end of the liturgical year on Reign of Christ Sunday, but I think it's equally appropriate today. It goes like this. O oh Christ, what can it mean for us to claim you as our king? What royal face has, have you revealed? Whose praise the church would sing, aspiring not to glory's height, to power, wealth, and fame. You walked a different, lowly, another's will, your aim. And that hymn's opening question is at the heart of our Palm Sunday text today. What does it mean for us to claim Jesus as king? Just who is this prophet from Nazareth in Galilee? It will take the events of of this coming week to fully answer that question. But a good start to the answering the question of who is this Jesus of Nazareth coming into Jerusalem, is implicit in the crowds shouting Hosanna. He is the one who can save. He is the one who can help, which we the church echo in our liturgy today, waving our own palm branches as we come in, wearing them on our shirts today hearing the shouts of Hosanna in our worship service. You see, this task of proclaiming God's presence with us, it can be understood in the context of the Jewish Passover liturgy, which reminds its participants that it is not only our forebearers who God has redeemed from slavery in Egypt. We too are the ones who are redeemed. Therefore, it is our duty to thank, to, pro- to praise and acclaim the one who performed all the miracles for our forebearers and for us today. Jesus' proclamation coming in to Palm Sunday is as true for us now as it was for those parading in to the holy city. So our Holy Week liturgies when we gather starting tonight and the rest of this week are rooted in this strong Jewish sense that our current faith communities are part of the remembering process of the ongoing liberation of God in the world. So begins the church's annual re-entry, the annual reenactment of the Holy Week by marking how The empire of God, the kingdom of God, is an empire that we can proclaim right here and now. A reign that is with us in this place. One that he came to embody and to show us. And to show us that this welcome looks quite different. That Jesus is a quite different kind of king. Indeed, the save us they cry out creating their royal carpet of coats and cloaks and tree branches, show the kind of kingdom that Jesus is about. You see, they shout this, remembering that the stain of division still permeated the fabrics of their existence. You see, those standing waiting for Jesus to come into the city of Jerusalem knew well the powers of the Roman Empire upon them, and its thwarting ability to live in peace and the threatening of their collective well-being. So almost intrinsically, these shouts of Hosanna escaped their lips. Save us, help us. So these words, they heighten our Lenten commitment to self-examination and reflection and how we live together how peace and reconciliation become possible in our world today. And this happens. This happens when common folk with uncommon courage oppose the practices and policies of exclusion and division. The one who comes in the name of the Lord is who we follow. And we can look back at history replete with the stories of common people who have recognized we are able to accomplish more together than we can alone. Stories that we might reclaim as we continue this Lenten journey. We can think of the women and men who provided safe passage on the underground railroad for persons seeking freedom from chattel slavery in the United States in the mid 19th century. We can remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the others of the Confessing Church in the 1930s who took a definitive stance that their loyalties were to Jesus as Lord, not to Hitler and the Nazis. We can think of the youth in South Africa who stood against apartheid and formed the African National Congress Youth League in 1944 under the leadership of Nelson Mandela envisioning a world in which racial domination would no longer exist. And many others join these exemplars of uncommon courage of common people. We can think of the over 250,000 men, women, and children from diverse racial, ethnic, social, and religious backgrounds who gathered on the U.S. Capitol on August 28, 1963 anchored in an abiding faith in God's gift of justice and human dignity. Like those who walked that dusty road of Jerusalem with Jesus, many of them taking the pilgrimage at great personal risk. Yet they marched to condemn the systemic oppressive laws that divided a nation. And at the conclusion of his now famous I Have a Dream speech, The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. articulated his dream of a people united in a world which justice would become the normative expression of human relationships. When justice would become the normative expression of human relationships. So with him, the crowd and numerous others who watched from the living room and gathering places throughout the nation Refuse to wallow in the valley of despair. Something we can continue to take heart in today. We can refuse to wallow in the valley of despair. But rather we can dream in the face of insurmountable odds and we can stand as prophets of a new creation. You see, we remember these stories and the stories of many others because we can take courage that when common folk with uncommon courage can accomplish great things. For after all, Jesus' followers possessed no formal authority to change the world. They were not given special titles or special dispensations from Jesus. Their titles were only neighbor and friend, only stranger and distant traveler children, and adults marched into the city gates of Jerusalem in opposition to Pilate on the other side of town. They marched with Jesus to contest the exclusionary practices that so long had defined their existence. So when asked, who is this? We can reply with the crowds. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, in Galilee. And later on, in chapter 46, Matthew says that the religious leaders were disturbed by this event. But Matthew doesn't tell us quite why. Perhaps because the fervor of the moment forecasted a time when common folk standing on the side of justice would become a recurrent theme in the world. Maybe they were concerned that people would begin to sense their own deep yearning for a just and life-affirming existence. Perhaps the image of Jesus as a prophet invites us in this moment, in this liturgical moment, to embody peace and reconciliation as an ongoing practice and to stand boldly with the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So as we depart today, remember that we are a part of the crowds that shout Hosanna, that shout help us. And may we be that help to others. May we be the presence of Christ to one another. May we stand defiant to a world that often works against peace. May we do something as audacious as place flowers on a cross making beautiful an instrument of death and destruction, an act of proclaiming peace in the face of a world who often resists it. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of being peacemakers, that as we stand with you on Palm Sunday, may we stand as those who bring about your kingdom on earth, So be with us as we journey this holy week, as we come with you to the cross and empty tomb. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.